Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. A few things before we get started. Uh, we are back from our holiday break with the podcast, so we will have our normal one uh, episode per week going forward. There probably will be a, two episodes in the week that we do get a patch. As you may have seen in the last couple of days, uh, Ben Brode announced that a patch was coming imminently. It was coming the next day. Uh, that was announced on January third i believe second or third and then uh that same day in the evening ben brud let us know that an issue was found with the patch and so the patch has been delayed uh so that's hopefully coming within a week he says so we should be seeing a patch sometime the week after this episode is released uh and we also have been told that that patch does not include the friendly battle mode uh, but that will be coming later in the month so we can essentially expect two patches in this month which will be relatively close together probably two to three weeks apart Uh, So that'll be interesting, and we'll obviously be covering that here on the podcast. Uh, I just want to let people know that it looks like the patch notes for this first patch in January have leaked. Uh, Obviously, they're not confirmed, but they look to follow the same format and and sound pretty believable. So uh, if you don't want spoilers, make sure you're just careful where you're looking on Reddit or on social media uh, where those things are posted. But if you do want to see those and you're interested in seeing what the patch notes may be before they release, go ahead and, and look those up and, and let us know your thoughts. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Today we are we are back from a kind of a two-week break with the holidays, and so we are glad to be back, and we are here with a guest that we've wanted to have on for a long time, uh, first-time guest, and that is Howling Minds. Howling Minds, thanks for being here. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, this, this has been a long time coming. We're excited to have a, a great conversation with you about the latest season pass here and some of the nuances and some of the, you know, the dialogue we've seen online with the latest season pass and just sharing our thoughts uh, on that. But before we jump into that, I just want to give you a moment, being a first-time guest on the show, just want to let you introduce yourself to the listeners, give us a little bit of your background with gaming, with Marvel Snap, uh, what you're doing with Marvel Snap Zone currently, and uh, yeah, just kind of give us a a one-minute breakdown of your gaming uh, persona, if you will. Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I'll try and keep it brief. So my name is Scott Mines, probably better known as uh, Howling Mines on the internet to most of you folks. Uh, I've been in the gaming industry for just over a decade now. Um, started things off in competitive Yu-Gi-Oh back in my early teens. Uh, a couple of uh, national championship tops there. Always wanted to compete, that kind of stuff. Uh, moved into Magic the Gathering, which is where I started making content and is where my name comes from, uh, thanks to an, a card called Howling Mine, the pun kind of wrote itself. Uh, so I started moving into content creation, got fairly over there, a couple of decent um, finishes in Magic as well at the, the Pro Tour level. Um, kind of moved on to other card games, now now play Flesh and Blood and Marvel Snap primarily. Um, got to play the first ever Flesh and Blood World Championships this year, was quite proud to, to be able to do that. Uh, and I've previously done a lot of work in like, commentary and stuff like that for events, like event coverage and stuff, of which I've worked with the company behind Marvel Snap Zone before. They'd brought me on to do Magic coverage in the past. 
And uh, so when Marble Snap Zone launched, um, we got talking and they, they wanted to have somebody come on board uh, to get involved with the site, help manage the community, basically be an operations manager, a community manager, uh, come and make some content, help edit articles, help make thumbnails, all that kind of wonderful stuff. And uh, yeah, we came to an agreement. Um, so I came on board and that is now where you'll find me, um, making content every single day for Marvel Snap Zone and just being the, I guess, the face of the channel to come and interact with you guys, be a point of conversation for feedback uh, and all that kind of wonderful stuff awesome yeah i mean you've you've done amazing work over you know months and months now and uh it's been enjoyable to consume the content you've been putting out and and helping others put out uh which is great so thank you man i appreciate that it means a lot no yeah of course um well diving in here uh so the latest season in marvel snap this is i want to say season eight or nine and it is called uh, season eight yeah season eight. yeah and it is the Savage Land. Uh, uh, so the card this season, we'll start there uh, at the very top. That's the first thing you unlock. It's kind of always the big discussion point is Zabu. Zabu is a three cost, two power card. And the ability reads, ongoing, your four cost cards cost two less for a minimum of one cost. So essentially you can't use Zabu or a copy of Zabu to get cards down to zero cost or to be free. Uh, but you can get them down to a minimum of one with you know two zabus on the board or a zabu and a sarah for example um so uh you know i always when we do these kind of season breakdowns with different guests i always kind of like to ask the comparison i mean it, we don't have to compare them but i but i enjoy doing it and, and i think the listeners enjoy it you know looking back at you know this card compared to the other seven season pass cards you got where do you feel like it floats does it float to the top of kind of one of the best ones or is it somewhere in the middle or is it on the low end uh compared to the other season pass cards we've got in the past it's actually kind of interesting we covered this in uh, a video we did for zabu's release just beforehand because it's a question we got quite a lot with uh, with the data mine season pass coming and what we think of zabu and i think it's pretty fair to say and very obvious that it leans towards the top side of the the battle pass cards it is if not the best one ever, it's going to be in the conversation at the very least, and we'll, we'll only find out as we go forward and, and play with the card a little more. Um, a lot of people don't really consider Wave as a season pass card because they didn't really get the ability to access it as one. Um, but people tend to talk about Wave and Silver Surfer as the two the two big kingpins, and I think Zabu is the name that now enters that conversation. I would agree. I would agree. And I think it has to do with, um, there's been some interesting cards, right? You know, Daredevil is a very interesting and nuanced card uh, that we got in a previous past. But I think Wave, Zabu, both kind of have that cost reduction ability, which we know is very powerful in a short game, you know, six turn game. Uh, and then Silver Surfer has that kind of widespread power lift uh, or, or power boost to your board, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think those types of abilities tend to have more uh strength in a lot of situations and also um what's the word i'm looking for just coordination or uh oh that's not the word i'm looking for um kind of a, a relationship with other cards uh, it's synergistic that kind of thing synergy that's the word i'm looking synergy, for thank yeah. you thank you yeah cool. we found it we're all good yeah. um yeah no i i mostly agree with uh with that statement anyone who knows me from 
the past will know that I'm a big advocate that the most powerful thing you can do in card games typically is cost reduction because when cards are designed and they're put together and you know uh, figure out where they fit in the game that kind of thing they're designed with a cost in mind they're supposed to be a cost to playing them to getting them onto the board uh, to make sure you only can at certain times or you only can in certain combinations and once you start breaking that parity and allowing cards to be played in spots where they normally traditionally shouldn't be able to you end up creating play patterns the card wasn't initially designed for uh, that being said i do think um marvel snap is traditionally a very different game than a, a lot of card games just because of the brevity of the game in six turns and how small the deck is and how consistent they are as a result so i don't think that's necessarily as big a deal in marvel snap as it can be in other places but it's definitely something to always keep your eyes on cost reduction is a dangerous design space yeah yes i agree and i and i think that's what a lot of the dialogue has been online is that uh, why maybe some people feel you know uh, some of these cards are better than others is because the abilities um, being being able to reduce the cost I think is one of the most powerful things you can do in uh, Marvel Snap. If, I mean, if we just look at decks that have gone in and out of popularity or kind of up or down the tier list of decks that you can play, Sarah has been something that's you know consistently been in decks that are on that list, right? Um, yeah, of course. Same with Mr. Negative, really. Same kind of problem, uh, where obviously things just suddenly cost significantly less than they're supposed to. Uh, wave, same story, right? Just playing six cost cards on turn four or zero cost deaths. It's it's all kind of the same uh, tablecloth. Yes. Yes, agreed. Uh, we'll come back to Zabu at the end, because I think you and me have some more we want to say there. But continuing on on the season pass, uh, next thing just briefly like to talk about is uh, what are your thoughts on the variant art for this season? So the this season we have art done by Alex Horley. Um, he's done art for... Uh, in the season pass, you get a Zabu variant, a Kazar variant, and a Storm variant that are kind of this prehistoric theme. Uh, how do you how do you like these variants compared to maybe some of the variants we've gotten past seasons? I am a pretty big fan of these, honestly. Um, I, I think the art style is very flavorful. It fits the kind of theme and location you're trying to push. I think my only criticism is possibly that we have another Storm variant so soon. Mm -hmm. um, I think a number of people are a bit like, hey, well, you just gave us one for the hero music video and you gave it to us for free. Um, you know, you've just had the, the nullified version that uh, everyone kind of loves. It's a big, a big uh, premium uh variant so seeing storm again so soon is a, is a bit of a a bit of sweet moment i suppose but in terms of art style i think these things look great yeah well and, and it's funny you mentioned that so i mean i saw the 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 storm one we were going to get from the hero event right and i was like oh you know that's pretty cool but then i was looking ahead you know at the what we already knew about the zabu season pass before it was officially announced and <laughs> Uh, I saw this storm variant. And I said, "Well, I'm saving my credits, right? I'm gonna <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm gonna hold off for this one because I like this one a lot more." Um, and you know, before, like you say, before the null one or before this one with this season pass, none of the variants had really called out to me for storm. So it's kind of an interesting uh, dilemma. I mean, it's not that big of a problem, right? Uh, but no, it's very much like a small hiccup. Like I, yeah. I just know a few people have been a bit like, "Well, you gave this to us for free, and that doesn't feel quite as much as a gift when there was another free one on the way." And I think this is very much like you know card gamer problems. If you like, exactly. it's not that big of a deal, but uh, yeah, it definitely has been mentioned. Yeah, but I, but I love the art, and and we're going to be getting some bundles that we don't know the full details or costs on, uh, but we will be getting some additional art like Devil Dino. Uh, that Devil Dinosaur looks incredible. Yes, 
I, <laughs> I, my, my wallet's already sweating because I, I, I don't know how much that's going to cost or if it'll be gold or, or money, right? Because they've kind of bounced back and forth between the bundles uh, where you can get it with gold or with, uh, you pay dollars. And so, uh, but that devil dino is really calling my name. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame for me. I've got a rule that I don't spend, uh, money on bundles. I only, sp I only, I buy the battle pass, uh, the season pass every season. So that I've got the card available for content, but I don't, I don't tend to buy bundles. Uh, kind of just, it's a personal rule. And, uh, looking at the art on some of those bundle cards, the, the white tiger, the oh, devil yeah. dinosaur, I'm like really, really hopeful there is a, a gold way to buy those or I'm going to be quite sad, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm, I'm exactly like you. I bought the season passes, but I've only used, uh, gold to get, uh, the sunspot bundle. I got the sunspot bundle because mm -hmm. I, I really like the variant. Um, but my hope is that, yeah, I, I would love if, uh, we see some gold bundles this season. So, um, uh, turning turning our uh, sights to kind of the next piece here. This is not directly part of the uh, of the season pass per se, but it's something that's going to be taking place during the season, which is the new series five cards. Uh, I know that we could spend like a full hour talking about these, so we'll keep it brief to a couple yeah, sure. a couple minutes here. But I want to just uh, kind of I'll read for listeners the cards and their abilities, and then uh, maybe we can just talk about the one or two that stick out to us the most for now. So. Um, so first we have uh, Sauron, which is a three cost, three power card with the ability on reveal, remove the abilities from all ongoing cards in your hand and deck. Uh, then we have Shanna or Shana. Uh, I kind of heard it pronounced both ways. The She-Devil. She is a four cost, two power card and her ability reads on reveal, add a random one cost card to each location. Next, we have Dazzler, which is another four cost card with a four power with the ability reads ongoing. If you have four cards at each location, plus six power. And then last, we have Shadow King, uh, which uh, I actually have the outdated stat here, but I believe it's a four cost, two power card. Um, yeah, I think that's right. And it has the ability on reveal, set all cards here to their original base power. Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. And so... Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, go ahead. W which one stands out to you? <laughs> so it's quite, quite a selection there. Um, I know uh, a few people... I guess disclaimer because I always got to be careful about talking about stuff like this obviously I'm just a guy on the internet uh, my opinion is worth whatever people want it to be worth please don't use this as a rationale to go and buy certain cards with your collector's tokens and then come and yell at me when they aren't very good I've not played with them I don't know all, all theory craft so with that out of the way um, I think I think the one that everyone's most hyped about is probably Shadow King to be honest it's kind of very cool to have this 
interesting counterplay to things like Patriots, which is something that really kind of hasn't happened before in in mass. It's, it's been kind of hard to target uh, with enchantresses and rogues and stuff to take those bonuses away. So having a way to just kind of close all that down is is very, very cool. Uh, I personally am also exceptionally excited to try out Dazzler in the Thanos decks because uh, those decks are always full of space. You never end up having anything left over once you've filled the board with Infinity Stones. So just having a 10, 10 power 4 cost card in that list might be quite interesting. So those those definitely are the two that appeal to me. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a great point with Dazzler. I think Dazzler is one of those interesting, right? A 4 cost 10 power stat line is great, right? Uh that's comparable to Typhoid Mary, but obviously Typhoid Mary has the downside of lowering the power of the rest of your cards unless you shut it off with zero or Luke Cage, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so that's interesting. I, I do agree with you. I think the Thanos deck is one of the kind of the interesting possible builds there. Though, that being said, a Killmonger, right, um, kind of shuts that down. Uh, so, there, so there's counterplay to it uh, already right uh so i think that's interesting um but i agree with you what you said about shadow king i think the shadow king has i've seen the most discussion about it online and in videos that people are putting out etc um and i think it you know it's interesting because it's a counterplay to you you name patriot but also silver surfer right uh yeah that's another big one for sure <laughs> and that that one i think is a little more front of mind just because a lot of people have had strong feelings about that um recently with you know last season being the silver surfer season and so uh i think that'll be one that a lot of people will like to use just or to have in their collection for a tech card if certain cards you know like patriot like silver surfer kind of get stronger in a certain meta then uh that's a good counter card to have in those situations right I think so. It's, it's definitely the one I've seen the most excitement around. Uh, also because it was a changed effect, right? We had this different data mined version of the card with an entirely different ability um, that when this announcement came of the cards being released in the near future, that has been changed, which obviously causes a discussion all by itself because people start to wonder, hey, did the second dinner think this effect needs to exist? Did they, they try and find the card to put it onto to get it into release quicker because it's an effect they think is needed? And Silver Surfer is kind of definitely a testament to that where they they might want to keep that card's identity the way that it is. It's obviously very flavorful for it to be a three-cost card that grants three power to all your threes. So changing the numbers on a card like that is quite hard without losing a lot of the flavor and the feel. So creating a unique effect that gives like very deliberate counterplay to a card like Silver Surfer while keeping it uh, you know, the way that it is um, seems very appealing from a game design perspective. Yes, agreed. One other thing I would like to note with these before we continue on is that uh, notably that of the four uh, new cards we're getting uh, in Series 5 or Pool 5 this month, uh, three of them are four cost, right? Uh, which obviously... Seems somewhat, uh, somewhat deliberate. <laughs> yes, yeah. So we have that synergy with Zabu, um, you know, and I think that some of the dialogue I've seen online is, okay, that's cool that you know, they're doing something that synergizes with the cards. It kind of incentivizes you to look out for those cards or pick one or two that you want to try to get credits for. But then on the other hand is uh, it's hard to get, you know, it takes a while to get 6,000 credits for a Series 5 card, right? Uh, and so some people, yeah. people are saying, you know, again, kind of that discussion of, hey, this is unfair or this isn't ideal for free-to-play players, right? Because then if you're not buying the season pass and then you're not buying these cards, you kind of miss out on synergies that a lot of people will be trying to play with. Um, now, whether, yeah, whether sure. they're actually that good or not, I mean, that, like you say, you know, time will tell. 
Uh, we don't know. We can speculate, but uh, we really have to see these things in action before we can make a call. Yeah, I think it's a really tough one to kind of navigate. Um, I say the same about the season pass cards as well as all these Series 5 cards, but it's it's such a fine balancing act to create cards that are good enough that players are incentivized to go out of their way to get them, or in, in the case of Zabu, purchase the Battle Pass, but not so good that they become meta-dominant, overwhelming, uh, so on and so forth. And that's that's a really difficult point to find i think uh and this is kind of where snap thrives i think in the collection model that it has and it's something that people don't necessarily realize at the moment that yes not having all the cards you want can be very very frustrating but it also means that you're playing more fair games against people of a similar card pool on average um for for that reason so that we're not like constantly seeing um mismatches of deck uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping we can keep it that way uh, but that also remains to be seen yes Yes, time, time will tell. And that's something that we always talk about on the podcast uh, is you, we can't really know. We can speculate, we, but people shouldn't take our words for gospel or for, you know, uh, things that yep, are... for sure. Just a guy true. on the internet. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. Uh, very, very much the case. And uh, I'm glad that people think my opinion is worth something, but at the same time, I don't want to encourage you to spend real-world money or hard-earned in-game money on something uh, if you're not sure yourself, especially when I know nothing about your collection level, what cards you have already, or what you even enjoy in the game. Yep, yep. Uh, so continuing on here, the, ne the next thing I'd love to talk about briefly is locations. Um, so again, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll read through the locations for the whole season, but then I would love to just focus on on the first location as we'll be breaking down each location each week in, in our weekly podcast episodes. But uh, yeah, cool. so first we have Eternity Range. Uh, after turn three, add a rock to the losing player's side. Uh, next, we will have Altar of Death. When you play a card here, destroy it to get plus two energy next turn. Uh, third, we will have Rickety Bridge. After each turn, if there is more than one card here, destroy them. Uh, next, we have Collapsed Mine. Fill this location with rocks. Skip a turn to destroy your rocks. And then last, we have Plunder Castle. Only cards that cost six can be played here. And man, and man, again, we could have a long discussion about all of these if we were talking about all of them. I think there's some really interesting flavored locations here. But let, let's just stick with Eternity Range for now. Um, for sure. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll comment briefly on this selection of locations before we, we narrow it down. Uh, I love these. Um, I'm a really big fan of locations that offer player agency and create micro decisions so that people have things to think about and interesting game to the game like thought processes on how they should navigate difficult to play with locations more so than things like subterranea that just take away player agency by filling your deck with rocks um so really happy to see a whole set of locations that feel like they should be pretty fun to play with yes agreed i mean uh like you said uh just expanding here a little bit altar of death really excites me um i think that's the one we're gonna have next week you know when you play a card here destroy it to get plus two energy next turn i mean there's so much so many possibilities right of yeah, for, sure. for me, it's, it's Rickety Bridge, I think. The idea of having to balance between which player currently has one card left at the location and yeah. when do you play something there to try and remove something from your opponents is just really, really interesting to me. Yeah, it's like, how are you setting up for that end game? Turn five, turn six, what are you going to be doing with that location uh, is, is very interesting. And, and what kind of destroy decks can you play with it, right? Uh, uh, something like... Um, uh, Deadpool comes to mind. Uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah, some shenanigans there for sure. Deadpool likes falling off of bridges. Yeah, uh, I can def definitely see that. 
Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I think Eternity Range is maybe one of the least interesting ones we're getting this month. But uh, what are your thoughts on here? What what synergies do you see with Eternity Range? So I had a, a bit of brief experience playing with it this morning um, while making some videos for the YouTube, and um, it feels fairly innocuous. It, it's one of those things that it kind of rewards. It rewards a small subsection of decks. It will reward you for being aggressive early and being able to fill the location with a number of cheap, uh, you know, overstad units, cards like Lizard, for example, and then punish your opponent by filling one of their spaces in return and making it very hard to win that lane. Uh, without extra stats. Uh, it plays very well with archetypes such as uh, things like uh, Patriots, things that include Blue Marvel, things that include Kazar, so you've just got this extra body um, to get bonuses for free over the course of the game by deliberately losing that location. Uh, you can even do some sweet things with a card like Viper and uh, donate that rock back over to your opponent in a pinch uh, after deliberately losing that location with something like the Hood uh, so that you know you have two good hard targets to hit with with your viper and uh, yeah i think there's a lot of sweet small things you can do with the location um and there are definitely reasons to both want to win it and lose it depending on the deck you've got built and i think that makes it interesting enough to change how some games are played out even just slightly yeah yeah i i think there's like i think you said it well kind of small synergies with this location one one that comes to my mind that i think is pretty basic right um isn't a destroy deck right it's one extra free destroy that helps enable death easier without having to play down an extra card it gets plus two more power on a carnage at that location right so there's these kind of yeah. things that it gives you just that little extra boost without having to you know any reason you might normally want a rock or you would normally get rid of a rock those reasons all apply to to this location so yeah yeah for sure okay uh continuing on here um uh I, I've just kind of looked through the rank season rewards and the season uh, pass rewards here, and it looks like we're following the same structure. Uh, I know with the Silver Surfer season, we got a little bit of a shuffle around with what we kind of unlock at different levels in both the ranked mm -hmm. and in the season pass rewards. You know, uh, the, the, the reward for reaching infinite is still a title this season around. Uh, you know, and you, yeah. and you get a, another title at uh, 40 at the gold level. And then in the season pass rewards, right, we've got some titles in there. And um, uh, basically, yeah, we're following the same structure that we discussed, you know, last month on the podcast here. And I just wanted to get your take a little bit. Do you do you like this newer structure, how they've set it up for both the season pass rewards and the ranked rewards? Would you like to see uh, uh, some small changes, some big changes? What are your thoughts on the current structures? So I'm mostly okay with the entirety of the structure, except for specifically the titles at 40 and 100. Um, I, oh, I I could go on for a long while about titles. I think they're really sweet to have in the game, but the sad truth is everyone uses one, right? Yep. We're going to display one on our account. We pick the one that we like after unlocking them. And what happens as a result of that is there's only a small subsection that people actually want. And those include funny ones they think are personally interesting or ones that are particularly rare that that you don't see very often. So you can kind of showboat it and, and show it off if you like. And rank season titles fall under neither of those categories because everyone has them. And outside of very few, they're not very funny. Um, people already dislike opening titles in their reserves instead of cards because they don't they don't want them unfortunately and people liked the card back they liked the sleeve change they they liked uh, 
a variety of other things about the old the old system and I know so many people who were in the stream chats and stuff over the last month who were very vocal about the fact they made it to 90, like rank 90, and then just didn't care because they got their 500 gold and the title was completely irrelevant to them. And they, they don't, like, there's nothing to chase after Infinite at the moment. So they just, 90 was the actual goal. And that's, that feels so disheartening from a, I guess competitive player perspective and like second dinner clearly want people to aspire to being infinite players I want people to aspire to being infinite players because it's a really cool accolade to achieve every month and when the reward for doing so is well congratulations you get to keep playing and here's a title that 10% of the player base will have the sad truth is no one cares yeah yeah I, I, I'm I feel very similar to you I think that uh, I felt more motivated, and I feel like a lot more people felt motivated by the exclusive card back that you were going to mm. get at Infinite, because it's like, oh, wow, okay, somebody, you know, you're matching up with somebody, and you see they're using that that deck back, well, you know that, hey, that was from an Infinite player, right? They made it to Infinite. Yeah. And I and I think it has just more meaning. The titles, I, I already have forgot, like, I, I'm already forgetting like what the titles were for last season, right? I, I, okay, I do. Yeah, remember, I, 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 I remember Herald of Galactus. Exactly. But, I, I do uh, remember that one only because it was so recently. I don't remember the one for forty. I don't really remember the ones on the season pass uh, reward. No, exactly. Um, you know, people used to be you know in awe, I guess, of people using the the Atlantis card back from the the wave season in beta because you just don't see that many of them. Uh, even the the ones that were not in beta, the Thor card back and stuff like this, then they're nice. They're detailed. They have you know some elegance to them, and I think that's just way more memorable than Herald of Galactus, which, let's be honest, like it's not particularly descriptive it's very generic and I, I i wouldn't go out of my way to get that as an accolade personally and uh, again i don't speak for everybody i'm sure there are people that do but the general consensus seems to be this was a misfire yeah yeah now now this is my personal opinion but i i don't think i'd be opposed to any so again i, I would be okay with the card back coming back as kind of that final reward but i also <laughs> think you know, we know on their farther down the road piece of the roadmap, uh, we're going to see maybe uh, collectible uh, emotes and stuff and, yes. and reactions. Yeah. If it was like a unique reaction you got for getting to infinite, I mean, I, I feel like that would still motivate me, right? Because that's something I kind of use every game and like use multiple times and can kind of switch yeah, for out. Sure. Um, again, every- I think for me, the key is an in game piece. And like maybe this is where most people haven't really considered why it bothers them so much but the titles appear on the matchmaking screen they're on screen for like five seconds realistically mm-hmm. like if you give me an in-game emote or a card back or something that i'm constantly seeing every turn of the game that feels more impactful than something that's so momentary so yeah i agree with you something like an emote a reaction that i can see in game you know uh, in the future maybe if i could change the game board or something to that effect yeah. and and play on it that would be very very cool as well and then of course the big one that everyone hopes they do just make rank 80 90 and 100 collectors tokens and everybody will be happy yeah yeah like uh you get like 500 or a thousand or something yeah i well while we're dreaming here i'll, I'll say a thousand uh, you know a thousand <laughs> collectors <laughs> yeah tokens. sure yeah 
uh, for getting Yeah, a, th- a thousand collector's tokens for Infinite is, is a reason to go and get it. Collector's tokens are scarce. They are hard to acquire. And if you're giving me, you know, a Season 3 card for making it to Infinite, for most players who don't have everything in, in, in Pool 3, or, you know, I guess a third of a Series 4 card, or even, you know, a, a sixth of a Series 5 card for making it to Infinite, you know, may- maybe that's you know too small of a number for people to start chasing after a while. Maybe it needs to be a bit higher, but... I think for the most part, if you're getting a bundle's worth of collector's tokens for making infinite, that's one hell of an incentive. Yes, yes. Uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, I think also something like collector's tokens are only going to get kind of more valuable as a reward once cards are rotating down through series and pools, right? Um, <laughs> because then you'll have series five cards coming down to series four, series four to, down to series three, right? So everybody will have uses for these tokens kind of more and more as more cards are coming down, right? Um, so then, uh, you know, saving up for Series 4 cards on a regular basis because you have them rotating down regularly from Series 5, right? Uh, being able to get that extra 1,000 tokens potentially, right, with something like uh, yeah. the Infinite Rank would be... I, I just think would would just be a good balance to the game and would kind of fight some of the, the, the negative feelings some people have towards collector's tokens in that system currently, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think a lot of people want an alternative way to get tokens without having to put real world money into the game. And you can kill two birds with one stone in this case and make the reward tracks more rewarding and provide that ability uh, in one go. That's just why it's kind of my favorite suggestion for what to do with the, the reward track right now. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great idea. Okay. Um, well, turning kind of to our last topic here, um, uh, Kind of a slightly more nuanced and complicated conversation. We're gonna we're gonna pull it back to Zabu, and mm. you and me were talking before we started recording. Uh, uh, we we kind of see this every month. We see this discussion online, whether that's in you know your stream chat or on Twitter or in other, you know other places where we have these season pass cards come out, and there's kind of this constant dialogue of things such as uh, this is the most unbalanced card. The game is now pay to win. Um, how can I counter, you know, the Zabu meta? People are asking it in the first two hours since the card's been released, right? Nobody's really figured out fully how to play with the card and all of the um, nuances there. Or, um, you know, I'm going to stop playing the game now because this card is released. You know, uh, obviously, um, we all know with the internet, sometimes kind of the doom and gloom rises to the top. And it's okay to, to have negative feelings. I don't want to discount anybody's feelings. Um, but... I think that, um, you know, there's maybe some errors in that thinking or kind of always focusing on that because the interesting thing has been that conversation happens almost every month with every new season pass card. But then we see as time goes on that that card does not become the one defining card that everybody always uses in every deck, right? Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of nuance to this topic, and I think we could, again, we could talk for hours about this, so we'll do our best to keep it, like, somewhat brief, but I think the things I normally say to people that come into chat and ask me this question, or are constantly at SnapZone in the Discord server, whatever, um, about, about season pass cards, is Marvel Snap pay to win? Definitely not. I think... The sad truth is that no one really wants to hear in a lot of cases is that Marvel Snap is not a game that works like traditional games. Your win rate is, for the most part, completely irrelevant. I know people don't want to lose seven out of eight games, but if you lose seven cubes in those games and win eight in the one that you won, you are a positive record player. 
Um, and that's just the nature of the beast. So, so many players like feel like they, they have a card that is going to be like a consistent card. And it's like, that's, that's not what Marvel snap is about. Marvel snap is about like cube rates and, and how quickly you can climb in that case. Um, I don't think any of the cards we've seen in the season pass are wildly overpowered. First of all, in Zabu's particular case, the card has been out for like two days now, but when we were getting a lot of these questions, just a few hours, like no one is going to know how good or bad this card is. There's been no time to really try and break its shells, but there's been no time to explore the counterplay. How good is Rogue into it? How good is Enchantress into it? Um, you know, how much do these decks function if they don't draw Zabu? Is their hand just full of four-cost cards they can't use? Um, and, and we can't answer those questions without a reasonable sample size, something we don't get for at least several days, if not longer, after a card is released. In terms of putting these cards in the season pass, my favourite statement to make to players is, would you rather this card be in the season pass or added to Series 5? Would you rather it be in the season pass or added to Series 3? The problem remains the same. Wherever you add it, if you don't add it to the season pass, brand new players actually have no ability to access it. We have to create new cards. New cards have to enter the game, and there always has to be a best card in the game or good cards in the game, strong cards all around. And I would much rather a card that could potentially, at a push, be metagame defining and strong, be readily available and accessible for each and every player, regardless of the pool or series they're in, if they want to access the card, and have it in Series 3, in Series 5, where they have to open it at random, they have to acquire it with collector's tokens, and they have no chance at acquiring that card otherwise. It, it's the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think you said that very elegantly. Um, I think that, uh, again, uh, when we kind of look at, you know, full player base around the world, people come from different uh, uh, circumstances, so not everyone can afford to buy the season pass. So I, I think that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, adding that context that, you know, that still can be difficult, but uh, for, uh, you know, a large... The, kind of the largest range of players who you know can access it at the same time like you say and it's their choice right they can spend the money or not mm -hmm. uh, but it is accessible kind of in the same period of time for all players whether you started the game literally this week or you started it nine months ago right um, sure it makes me sound like such a and uh, I, I don't know what the word is for this but it makes me sound horrible for saying it this way if if you're in a situation where you can't afford the season pass um, or you don't want to buy the season pass, right? Uh, or you're in an area of the world where it's prohibitively more expensive. The sad truth is for those players, you are, your choices were not have the card or not have the card. Um, it doesn't really change how it enters the game if you're not going to be buying that season pass. So we, we have to find a way to introduce it that works for the majority of players because we can, we can never please everybody. Correct, correct. And... Uh, with you know a free-to-play card game, obviously um, they need to make money. Now people argue about, oh well, they're just they're just hunting for more money, etc. I mean that's a whole other conversation. But you know something yeah. like a season pass is a way that they can have you know uh, kind of a regular income for the business, and uh, sure, you know it, it's a way that uh, the game can make money and we can continue to love and enjoy the game and have it exist, right? Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back to kind of the first things you said, I think that, um, you know, Zabu is not destroying the game, right? Uh, 
I think uh, not even close. I was in some stream. I was in some streams, kind of the fir- the first night it came out, right? And I, I sometimes I like to watch people play with it for an hour or two before I take it on, just to get some ideas and and see what other people are trying out. And I was watching, cool. and somebody asked in the thread, you know, how can I deal with, or how can I, you know, play against the Zabu meta? And the streamer said, you know, what are you talking about, right? Like what meta, right? Meta is not something that's defined in an hour of time. It's it's something that kind of develops. So agree with what you said there. And also um, uh, another thought, uh, like you say, uh, the games you don't draw Zabu, I mean, you can still kind of build a deck that has some lower cost cards. So you're still playing cards at the beginning of the game. But I've had multiple matches with Zabu where I don't, uh, where I'm playing with a Zabu deck and I don't draw Zabu and, you know, I retreat. I mean, sometimes I've been able to pull out a win here or there, but more often than not, I'm retreating those games. So, yeah, I think so. And that, that's something people don't necessarily consider when they look at a card being spoiled or uh, or leaked or data mined or whatever, is that, as I say, a card like Zabu is going to win you very few cubes because a lot of the time in the games where you do draw it, you're going to snap on turn three, play it, and if your opponent can't answer it, they retreat and call. You get one to two cubes. And in the games where you don't draw it, your hands are often going to be quite clunky and full of four-cost cards, and sometimes you won't have enough plays to play the game until until turn four. And you're going to lose a, a, you know, a, a variety of cubes there, or very, very rarely get four to eight cubes in those games from suboptimal play patterns. And in a game that is not about win rate and is about cube averages... That is not an overwhelmingly powerful card because the the ceiling can only ever be so high. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something we always have to continually to remind ourselves as players of this game, um, because it can be very discouraging to lose. Right? Uh, that's just mm-hmm. human nature, right? Like we we're so focused on in video games, it's win or lose, right? And especially in card games. For sure, that's what it's always been, and so it is. It is easily the biggest. Uh, thing we constantly have to talk about uh, at, at Snapzone, in my opinion, and I, I really do want to make a video about it and kind of, I guess, tell the sad, honest truth: is that play, players aren't retreating enough. And as, as much as we don't want to, we don't want to lose. No one wants to lose very much, as you say. Losing sucks. But Marvel Snap is fundamentally, it, I, I guess, if you care about being competitive, fundamentally, it's designed about cube averages not win rates because that's how you climb the ladder if you don't care about being competitive then you can play a deck that's just going to win on average that's okay but you have to pick a lane in that regard or at least understand that that difference exists if you don't want to pick one yes yes agreed i mean you know once we get kind of friend friend modes to play and other you know non non non, yeah non-cube modes right (laughs) I think that will maybe balance some of these things because maybe you just want to play the game to enjoy the game and you do want to play just to try to win, right? Yeah. And we will have those options in the future with a non-ranked mode, right? Um, We're just not quite there yet. So um, I think everyone will be kind of more balanced and maybe there'll be what, you know, something for everyone as those features are added. Um, I think fundamentally the thing is players who are coming to us and complaining about the game now being pay to win or, you know, uh, that kind of phrase for lack of anything else, they are naturally competitive players. The only reason you have a grievance about a card being inside of a battle pass or being behind real monetary value is because you think it's required to to win, right? Uh, so clearly winning is a thing that you, you want to do. And that's why I think the previous points are so important about a card like Zabu is that it's a card that is fundamentally designed to earn you a minimum of, of cubes. So even when you're winning 
80 to 90% of your games in a horrible apocalyptic world where the card is beyond broken, you still aren't climbing very fast in comparison to decks like perhaps Mr. Negative, who is going to be an 8-cube win or an 8-cube loss on a lot of occasions. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for having that conversation with me. I think that's something that uh, you know, I've thought about in the past, but I've just especially thought kind of with this week, all of the dialogue that I've been seeing, that I've been participating in. I uh, just wanted to hopefully uh, put this conversation out there to help listeners uh, feel a little bit better and um, hopefully yeah, spread, the good, spread the good word of, of return. I guess most importantly, I guess most importantly as well, it's okay to disagree. I think that's yeah. important to say in this, this, this capacity. Like, if you feel different about Marvel Snap, you want your play experience to be something else, you don't agree with what this random dude on the internet is telling you, that's fine. Like, it's... I think it's okay to have healthy discussions about this and to want something else from the games you play. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Yep, 100% agree. Well, Howling Minds, thank you so much for being here. It's been a great discussion. Before we go, I want to just give you a second uh, just to kind of reiterate where people can find you online, how can they best uh, follow the content that you're constantly putting out. Yeah, of course. So if you're looking for Marvel Snap content from me specifically, the best place you can go is the Marvel Snap Zone YouTube channel. Uh, we release videos over there seven days a week at the moment. I'm currently live streaming on the YouTube channel three days a week as well on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 6.30 p.m. GMT. If you want uh, other content from me that isn't Marvel Snap based, you can always find me at Howling Minds on every platform under the sun, be that Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, so on and so forth. Um, and if you just want to talk Marvel Snap or anything like that, you can come and find me on Twitter at Howling Minds as well. Last but not least, I'm active nearly every day in the Marvel Snap Zone community Discord server, which you can also grab a link for in the uh, the description box of this video if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, come and join the discussion. There's like over 6,000 players in there talking Marvel Snap these days, like 24 four hours a day and talk about many things that aren't snap too just like real world discussions and stuff as well and getting to know each other so if that sounds like your kind of cup of tea or you just want to come and chat personally with me down there that's somewhere you can find me as well awesome well thank you again so much for being here my pleasure thank you for having me awesome listeners we will catch you in the next episode Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.